are you doing? It's me, your old pair Henry Slime Pussy. And I'm ready to take you on a journey of wonderful pussy slime. Come up in me, children, and experience my wonderful slimy body. Enter in my orifices and just go all over like a McDonald's play place. Go in my ball pit. Go in my slime lung. Go in my slime booty. Go in my slime eyes. Go in my slime nostrils. You won't believe what a slime time you will have. Here at Henry Slime Pussy Slime Pussy Emporium. Get your slime pussy on right now. We do slime poetry every night. <laughs> Welcome to the show. This is House of Decline. This beloved new House of Decline character, Henry Slime oh, Pussy. Oh yeah, Mr. Henry Slime Pussy. Uh, what are your pronouns, yeah. Mr. Henry Slime Pussy? Oh, I'm a he him, but you don't you don't need to you don't need to push that academic language on me. I I don't need to use the language of the PMC. I'm Henry Slime Pussy. I'm for I'm for all the children. You're for the children? Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> for the not unlike Wu Tang and Jeffrey Epstein, I am for the children. Uh pronoun checks are I mean pronoun checks are, are fraught. But uh you know which spaces you should do them in. You sort of get a sixth a sixth sense for that, you know. I think it there works. There's some spaces. Yeah, I think it works for uh, Mr. Henry Slime Pussy. I think that's a good um, time to ask, cause why you think Henry Slime Pussy is is uh, ambiguously gendered? Could be. He was. You know, I was thinking. You're calling him a he, so clearly you've you, made up you, your mind. That's because he just said that what they were. You're but right. You're right. And my character is he him. Yeah. But, but before, you know, why would you assume Henry Slime Pussy just because his last name is has pussy in it? You know, no, from the way he was talking, where he was using slime instead of every other I, word, I was doing a mildly <laughs> racist Bootsy Collins impression, and you dare. Oh, it's Bootsy, baby, Bootsy. You were just doing That's like how I would love you were to just doing old Greg. <laughs> Who's old Greg? Oh, now old Greg sounds yeah. like this. It's all is is old Greg now? It's probably seen as transphobic now. I don't. I don't know. It it, it was it's so niche at the time. I mean, because he's talking about his mangina, which yeah. is definitely not a. It's a word. It's not a word that they use anymore. Yeah. Well, that came at the end of that sketch. Um... But yeah, I guess you, that old Greg would probably be uh, cancelable in some way. But it's it's a little just too bizarre, uh, like the whole thing. Like he's a fish yeah, person. Yeah, but you can still be absurd and still be transphobic. You know, that's the yeah. attack helicopter joke. It's an absurdist joke that's still transphobic. So you were you were you're admitting it basically. What? You're you know you're just admitting it. I'm admitting. What do you mean? I'm admitting. <laughs> that's, that's a good trap I'm setting. <laughs> <laughs> you got. Oh God, damn it! Yeah, you can't. They're gonna use that. You can't. You, I love to use. Oh, so you admit it? <laughs> and then they're oh. like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. That's what. That's what was going on this week. That's who we shouldn't. Who we should bring up. Speaking of like weirdness around trans issues, we got our old pal Vosh. Making the rounds. Vouch. 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 
He said, "Are you ready to become a Voshist?" Uh, no, I don't. I don't care about the Twitch um, political scene at all. The Twitch debate community. Yeah, not not one single iota of me cares about it. Um, I care about it because I care about for the same reason I care about politics. Not because I am ideologically motivated, really, but because it's a fucking freak show of <laughs> weird, sick freaks, and okay. Vouch is one of them. Wow. <laughs> Vouch. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so he, he, he brings the bearded weirdos to uh, the left, is what you've told me, I think. Well, he's a, he's a, no, well, I don't, I don't know if he does that. That's the current sort of, that's the current debate am, amongst the left people on Twitter is, is Vouch actually doing something? Is he making a difference or is he just getting a field of people that look exactly like him to agree with him. And mm-hmm. that the, uh, disclosure here, I do look like Vash. I am one of those guys. I absolutely am a fat, sweaty, um, hunched over beardo. And okay, so here's what I want to get into is my greater beardo theory. Mm-hmm. You, you, so we use the word beardo instinctively. And when you yeah. use the word beardo, you think of a guy like Vosh. Or uh, on on another side, Matt Christman from Chapo Trap House. And mm-hmm. me, I would say that I'm a beardo. And you don't have to have a beard to be a beardo. Thank you know you. what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, I agree. It's a state of mind. It is. Yeah. And I can, I can be a beardo, too. Yeah. I Yes, you are a, a very good example of a clean-shaven beardo. I say this without qualifications, without knowing what else you're going to say beardos are, are like. So I may I no, reserve no, okay, the right so, to not be one anymore if I don't like what you're about to say. Beardos have a combination of, like, very strong conviction in okay. their tiny, minute areas of uh, interest. They have like extreme, extremely strong opinions about that shit. They always have a simmering rage beneath them. There's always like, even if they're like very friendly guys in real life, there's always you, you sense there's this just boiling rage of injustice underneath. And it's because it's because of the really it ties back to GameCube using the tiny discs and then switching back to cartridges, right? What <laughs> that the is, fuck was that, Nintendo? That's a real Beardo complaint. Yeah. That is that simmering rage over that tiny little minutia. And also this mysticism. There's a mysticism to the Beardo. There is this, like, sort of uh, Gnostic affirmation that must occur in order for the Beardo to justify his behavior. So, you know, you have lots of film Beardos. Yeah. You have lots of... Um, but but the most prominent one is our political beardos. Sargon Sargon of Akkad, extreme beardo, incredible incredible beardo. Yeah. And um, they actually made a beardo show about the idealized beardo, and that show was Lodge Forty Nine with uh, Wyatt Russell, who's like a Hollywood beardo. Hmm. He's not a real beardo, but he'll play a beardo. Okay, I thought Lodge Forty Nine was like uh, like a combo between uh, Crying of Lot Forty Nine and David Lynch's like the Black Lodge stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of that stuff in there, but it's it's sort of it's about a beardo's journey to uh, accepting community, essentially. Okay, that's not. I I don't think I'm gonna watch it then. It's good. Lodge Forty Nine's real good. Did you watch it's that real, show it's, Warrior? It's, uh, Did you watch Warrior? 
No, it was warrior. What was warrior about? Warriors about um, a, a 19th century gang war between the Tongs in San Francisco. So Chinese immigrants coming to San Francisco in the 19th century sometimes would join one of the Chinese gangs called the Tongs, and they were having like wars during that time, like Neat. right after right after the Civil War. And it's mm-hmm. apparently based on some writings of Bruce Lee. But um, unfortunately, I didn't find the show to be very good. But yeah, it's got a lot of nudity and a lot of kung Hell fu. Yeah. So if you like kung fu and nudity, uh, watch Warrior. Some nudities. If you like um, interesting like character and plot development, meh. It's I don't know. Yeah, it's a little scattered. Maybe it gets better though. Anyway, back to Beardland. Well, Beardo. So the reason why I go on about the Beardos is, you know, why why do we have so many of these Beardo people in our society? Um, uh, we are a Beardo podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, who what, Who's an example of a not Beardo? Somebody that has a beard well, but is not a Beardo. Oh, oh, has a beard but's not a Beardo? That's... Yeah. Okay, well, that's harder. I've, well, no, I, it's anyone with, like, a very well manicured or like um jonathan van ness Mm. from queer eye is not a beardo despite having a beard okay okay um maybe uh kumail nanjiani but does he have a beard or is he just like he doesn't he's had beards i don't think he can grow one anymore either he can't grow one anymore because of the steroids um it's unfortunate yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah his body's fighting back with all the estrogen He's gonna have a very he's gonna have a very high voice in two years. It'll be funny. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he needs to cool it. Uh, this Marvel this Marvel thing is really gonna like de- be a detriment to the health of our actors because they're all gonna be on steroids. Frankly, I think it's hot. There's nothing hotter than the idea of this like sculpted strength man but they're as weak as a feather because like all of their glucose is constantly depleted yeah and you know they can take stuff in the butt because of the steroid use is often done that way so yes. super hot yes with big <laughs> suppositories uh, uh what what vosh said this week was very beardo thing is like thousands if not millions of people have been some so and so like de-radicalized by twitch debate uh-huh or he was just he was just giving a lot of credence to the idea of a Twitch debate as as a way to generate political awareness or political activation. And I guess I don't disagree. Like I see no evidence. I, I, I see anecdotal evidence that Twitch debate is useful in, you know, de-radicalizing people or getting people on board with at least more universally popular socialist programs like universal healthcare. Mm-hmm. I guess there is some measure to that. I mean, it's what what I see Twitch debate is more useful for is like exposing somebody as a as a weird as a weird guy or like YouTube personalities accidentally go. The funniest one was when um, the streamer Destiny, who's also an objectionable polarizing figure. Definite Beardo, extreme Beardo, <laughs> absolutely has a strong Beardo energy. Mm-hmm. Um, he debated JonTron, who mm-hmm. was got famous for being a YouTube game reviewer guy. Also and, a Beardo. Uh, <laughs> yes, he he is a Beardo. There is that simmering rage. He uh-huh. did evidence the simmering rage. 
I don't know if he has the mysticism necessary for a Beardo. You know, I think he might not be a Beardo, actually. Well, just ask, I don't him, know if he... just ask him if he listens to Tool, and then you'll, then you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Tool, very strong Beardo music. Yeah. <laughs> heavy, heavy Beardo music. It's, their, it's part of their mystical, mysticality. It's very mystical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maynard, uh, Maynard is not a Beardo. Which is no, he isn't a beardo. No, he, he hates has that. the simmering rage. He has the mysticism. He yeah. has the specific knowledge of esoteric things. No, no. But my theory about Maynard is that he's bullshitting, and 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 he knows he's bullshitting, and he knows some people know it. Like, like all of the picking special numbers stuff, like all the numerology. <laughs> it's like, come on, he is a gimmick. Or, or like the wine, he doesn't. He doesn't grow his own wine. He, he gets pays people, people to do, to do that yeah. for him. The 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 rest of Tool are be are, It's like three beardos and a sociopath making great music. <laughs> it is. That's <laughs> that is Tool. <laughs> three three beardos and a sociopath that sings like uh, Ayumi Hamasaki. That sings like a Japanese pop star yeah. for some reason. Yeah, no. magic moment. For the last album, Maynard wrote all of the lyrics for the last album in like 2016, and then went off to do wine. And then the three other members <laughs> spent like five years crafting it to perfection. He was like, "Oh yeah, I don't know when they're going to be done with that. I don't care." Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, because the three other members of Tool, I I love the three members of tool <laughs> that yeah. are good yeah. uh they're all insanely talented people um and i think especially not enough is adam jones his guitar playing is great people undersell him as a guitarist but he's a great guitar player and uh but more importantly is the fucking art direction which was key to tools popularity as they had those fucked up claymation videos yeah it was really and big with like with like girls in the year 2003 with used cars like a Volkswagen Jetta or something very tool <laughs> yeah <laughs> so do you think you think Vouch do you think he's like really de-radicalized anyone with Twitch like well he's not a radical his whole pitch is he's a market socialist right so oh, he's like okay. so he's an uh, Elizabeth he's, Warren guy yeah, no, he's, he was a Bernie guy. He's not. Okay. He's not that bad, but I'm sure he wouldn't. He wouldn't have as many bad things to say about Elizabeth Warren as say the Chapos would, or something like that. He's definitely um, m way less radical than a lot of the other left figures out there, which is I I think why a lot of the other figures on the left uh, despise him too, because mm -hmm. they see him as like half measure. Radlib guy, oh, not half even measure vouch, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Or or cummy beard McFlotsam, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> ranting on. But I I think what makes what makes vouch funny, you know, his politics I think are pretty anodyne. Actually, he says like a lot of stupid, you know, white guy with entitlement shit who like and nobody's no told him no before. And he's very confident, and he's got, like, a million fans. So it's like, yeah, whatever. I said the N-word a couple times. Whatever, man. You know, it's, it's like he doesn't oh, no. feel the need to do his big mea culpa. I mean, he apologized for using the N-word. But um, people see it as – build it as part of a greater case against his general ineffectuality at building uh, – 
an actual coalition because he does tend to alienate uh, a lot of uh, uh, black people and trans people and uh, gay people with some of the stuff he says in the pursuit of getting the guy that looks like him in pursuit of getting, you know, the the center right or centrist guy mm-hmm. or, or right guy that yeah. looks like him. So there there's that you know, there's that fear in your in your in your attempts to build the bridge across the aisle to the alienated uh white working class or whatever that looks like to you in your head um you will discard the people on the very far left because you know they have to come crawling back to you anyway in order to get to your institutional power as a centrist I mean, it's it's what the Democrats do, too. You know, you always appeal to the right because, you know, the left has no choice yep. but to go to you in I'm, the end. I'm always centering stuff on the website. I'm always <laughs> I'm always putting stuff right in the middle. That's what you got. You see, it's like <laughs> politics is like a website. Yeah. It doesn't look right if things are off center. You got to put everything it in the middle. Smack dab right in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Um. Uh, well, so that's, I mean, he kind of has, or I don't say he, but there's kind of a point to um, doing political stuff on Twitch, because I think a lot of uh, working class people watch Twitch, um, who, but young people, not, there's like the only young demographic. And the thing about the young demographic is that they're more naturally anti-authority anyway, so it's mm-hmm. not that hard to get them to go one way or the other depending on the time of day uh sorry young Mm -hmm. people i guess i'm biased against you um well i think you because the the compare vash to hassan piker Mm -hmm. who's absolutely not a beardo despite having a magnificent beard hassan piker definitely not a beardo because he he does have that rage but it's not simmering rage it's outward bro rage you know Mm mm-hmm which is like, uh, and I feel it's like he is uh, he's popular because of his generalist approach to video games. He doesn't have that sort of specificity of focus that a Beardo needs in order to truly beard it up. Do you watch these uh, guys? On, Do you watch on Hassan? Beard tube. Do you watch Hassan Piker or Vouch on Twitch? I No, I feel it's for a younger audience yeah, than me. It is. I feel it's specifically for... Zoomers, like I missed the boat on that type of content. Uh, like the stuff that the last thing I watched on Twitch that was actually very nice was um, the 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 guys the people from E One have another music podcast with like Robin Hatch, who's a musician I like called Fortune Kit of Kit, and they were Nate Nate Ruiz from Fun apparently is now a, a left Twitter guy, which is funny. I'm glad that happened. You know the band Fun? Nope. They, they were that band that did, um, uh, what's that fucking song? I only listen. Tonight, oh, God. We are young. No, 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 is like a left Twitter figure, which is funny. Well, and so they were trying to explain well, Messian to him, and it was very—it was a good—it was a good Twitch cast. All the Fortune Kit guys who are like real music heads were trying to explain 
messy end to Nate Ruiz, who's you mean like the composer can't read music. You're talking and, about the composer. Yeah, they're trying to explain Olivier Messi and the the composer, and they were playing the Tarangalila Symphony and like all the all the bird bird stuff. And uh, um, <laughs> Nate Ruiz was like, "Yeah, this sounds awesome, dude. This sounds great. I'm watching the basketball game." <laughs> and it was. That's my speed of Twitch, where it's just like, it's this cultural thing, and we're going to explore Messian and chat. Oh, that's um, funny. So, and that sounds like NPR Twitch. Yeah, it's a, it's a very... That's millennial Twitch, okay. which is m- way more boring, but it's a world that I understand uh, more mm-hmm. than Zoomer Twitch, which seems very fast-paced. And, like, uh, you know how, like how a 90s... A 90s person would feel in a, ga- a Japanese game show, you know, a totally unprepared. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Ah, oh, man. Most Extreme Elimination Challenge was a great show. Yes, because Beat Takeshi is, uh, is, is a great man. Yeah, I would like to go back. I remember discovering that show kind of before the internet, and... Mm-hmm. When you did that, you were able to, like, discover a show and feel, like, a personal attachment to it. Like, it was something that you did because you were awake at that hour and you decided (laughs) to flip the channel. And when you found out that other people liked it, it kind of took some of the shine away, you know? Yeah. Other people had made that same discovery. I had that with Red Shoe Diaries. (laughs) I don't know what that is, so maybe... That's David Duchovny's 90s softcore pornography show that, you know, if you... In in Canada, if you stayed up till one thirty a.m. on a on a Friday night, City TV would start airing their softcore pornography block, mm-hmm. and you know eventually you could catch a Red Shoe Diary. <laughs> and it was David Duchovny. <laughs> yeah, David Duchovny was the narrator. You know, oh, he's, sexy. Yeah, and he and there it was like detective stories, but like occasionally they would have like really soft focus shots of of breasts and and they would have like that really 90s soft porn music that sounded like the band enigma you know in a soprano sax at some point i bet yeah yeah precisely precisely uh probably a synth soprano sax if we're being honest yeah, 90s soft porn, 90s like high quality soft porn aesthetic where it's a guy who's like really trying, like the the DOP is really trying mm. <laughs> on this one. Uh, yeah, that's what we need to do. We need to bring back soft porn. That's how we're going to, that's that's like the feminism. That's <laughs> we how have we're to, bringing back feminism. We, to calm the Zoomers down, we have to just um, titrate with soft core. Um, until until they're not vibrating so much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's the, the the problem with all of these kids is because they have such they have access to hardcore pornography. Um, they their expectations get too high and they become alone and isolated and turn towards the fash, which is Japan had it right. Ban all the hardcore, you know, cover up all the penises, yeah. you know, just softcore only country. Just blur the very softcore. tips of all the holes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> their, their pornography laws were correct. Yeah, well, then, and they're like, and you ask them about it and they're like, that's how you stop the entire country from turning into a fascist autocracy. You blur the tips and of all the holes. Is. 
And we all know that Japan's young men are very sexually healthy and, and active. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. They that's got it all very, figured out. A common thing. They got it yeah. all figured out. Uh. That was that was a funny thing, uh, making its way through the old news cycle. Is um, there was a, a moral panic about America's young men are becoming hikikomori. Yeah, <laughs> it's the hikikomori. They're coming for us. They're just going to stay in their rooms and play video games. That's coming. Round two of that is coming after the pandemic. Because already it's the business community. They're making noise that they can't find enough employees and there's a labor shortage. And they're blaming the government because of the paltry amount of money sent to people during the pandemic. So now you Mm -hmm. got the, you know, Joe's Crab Shack saying that they can't find anyone to sling crab for $8 an hour because the government gave them $2,000 that one time. Um, And you know what? I think it's really more of, I mean, it might be that, but Joe's Crab Shack needs to pay better because slinging crabs sucks. And dealing with the (laughs) public sucks. So F you, Joe. Why don't you pay better? Um, I'm going to stay home and be neither in education or employed. And, um, and whatever I the T stands for. <laughs> Joe doesn't want to pay more because he is the job creator. What does the T you stand for? You are the for? one who is coming to him. What? What does the T stand for in NEAT? Neither in and education or employment? not in education, uh, not, not employed education or training. Oh, or yeah, training. Or trading. Training. It's some tra- sort of job training. They do trading, though, with the Pokemon cards and... <laughs> and GME stocks. Yeah. Hi-oh! I, can, uh, I lost all my money on GME, but I raided my mom's purse, so I got some more. <laughs> got like $10,000 out of my mom's purse. Yeah. To spend on... Just to lose on GME stocks. I bought at the wrong time. Damn it. Yeah. I saw a post on the Wall Street Bets about someone who was investing in fancy gourds. And, fancy gourds yeah like like squash like fancy squash <laughs> and they got decimated <laughs> by covid because nobody was going to anyone's house for thanksgiving and that's the simpsons joke and so that's homer's pumpkin futures yeah and so and so, i think it was a shit post and so but because no one was uh going to other people's houses for thanksgiving no one was buying fancy gourds for their uh, centerpieces um yeah but I think it was a, I think it was someone writing out that Simpsons bit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. The, uh, incidentally, Fancy Gourds is the name of the best restaurant in Toronto. Really? <laughs> it's the best. Come one. on down to Fancy Gourds. We got steak au poivre. <laughs> oh, the Leafs come and eat here all the time. You'll see Austin Matthews chowing down on our poutine. Is that one it's of your, made with duck fat? Is that one of your sports players, <laughs> Austin Matthews? Yeah, he's he's the Leafs' golden boy right now. He's a very young, oh. and he's got a dirty mustache, and he's a hockey phenom. So in hockey, there's the a team position around him. In hockey, there's a position called golden boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the guy that gets pissed on at center ice. <laughs> yeah, and he slips on the piss because it froze, and ah. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Oh no, my tongue is stuck to the my frozen my tongue is frozen to the piss. <laughs> the hazards of hockey. They should really take the golden boy out. Yeah. 
That's funny. They, well, they uh, should put him in a. They they already have him in a separate chamber, just like just a, a, the chamber for the golden boy to be pissed on, and they let the yeah the, the penalty the box. Do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> oh, golden boy, <laughs> and the golden boy is coming on the ice. <laughs> oh, he's going for the mouth. He's going for the mouth. He shoots his goal. What if, in, like, go. instead of the penalty box, it was the golden boy box? I I called it the penalty box. <laughs> penal the penalty box. <laughs> the penalty box. Um, for all your penal <laughs> matters. Yeah. Uh, but the the guy that you really don't want to mess with is shit boy. <laughs> Just That's shit a, on him at center oh, ice. Okay. Wow. Just shit on pee on the ice is funny. Shit on the ice. You're skating through that shit. It's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Slicing it up. You're dicing it like a cucumber because it's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> And the, oh no, the shit was too large, and now that looks like a bunch of pucks are on the ice. And which one's the real puck? I can't. They just sliced up pieces of turd. All right, I have an idea for a prank. You you sh- okay. you get a, a puck mold and you shit into it and you freeze it, <laughs> and you go you go to an NHL game and you throw it under the ice and you see if you can get them to play with your shit. <laughs> oh yeah. The shit puck was a real problem in Canada. <laughs> the real problem was shit pucks. And then they, won't you know, they started doing it with piss. They started doing piss pucks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me get a piss puck out here. <laughs> Don't make me shove a piss puck down your throat. <laughs> in, Can- in Canada, everything comes in puck form. Mm. Our favorite That's why our favorite type of steak is filet mignon. Yeah. Because it is, it is the most puck-like steak. It is. I remember cooking a filet mignon the first time. I was really put off by the shape of it, but it worked out well, and it's a great piece of meat. House of Decline is brought to you today by filet mignon. It's uh, brought to you. It's brought to you today by the Puck Meat Council. <laughs> uh, eat more puck-like shapes of meat. Uh, a bunch of a bunch of Canadian uh, townies get getting excited about Midsummer Night's Dream because there's a character named Puck in it, mm-hmm. but are disappointed. Oh, he's just some sort of gay fawn. I thought he was gonna be some sort of black disc. That would have that would have really piqued my interest in this play. Yeah. Marge, <laughs> he's just a gay fawn. I can't do Homer. <laughs> Marge, it's just some sort of gay fawn. Yeah. I don't know why Homer would be into. Well, Homer would be into though. the puck thing for I think because um, I just think he would see it on TV and and it would be the plot of an entire Simpsons episode. Oh yeah, he would get the puck maker and make a bunch of foods into pucks, <laughs> and he would puckify. A bunch of foods. Marge, that, that was food already shaped like that, a puck. <laughs> yeah, he he already. That's the power sauce episode where he compresses all of his food into bar form, and he possesses twenty pounds of spaghetti into a single into a single bar, eats it, and then immediately calls the hospital. <laughs> Uh, uh, some later Simpsons still got they still had the power sauce episode is very funny though that's an unusually great episode uh, past the Simpsons golden years and it has and it has recently uh, rehabilitated pop culture star Brendan Fraser in it as well hmm. which is why we love it as 
What do you mean well, rehabilitated? He wasn't rehabilitated. He didn't do anything wrong. He just, the reason for why he was out of the public eye is because he got sexually assaulted by a Hollywood executive and then was blackballed from starring in stuff. Yep. Because people were afraid he would, like, come forward with his Me Too story. Yeah, that uh, is a terrible thing. Because he mm. was so handsome and friendly. Yeah, and now he's just friendly. <laughs> I can't get it. <laughs> Aww. He's still handsome, but he's he's gained a bit of weight. But you know, I'm not one to talk because I'm I'm also I'm also I'm a little fat boy. So uh, <laughs> Brendan Fraser has joined the legion of little fat boys. You got a French and diet I, coke I, I there? Him. Coke hmm? diet. It says coke yes, diet. Yes, some oh. diet cock. It's he's French. Well, it it's yeah. crazy they have to do that in Canada. You guys have to have like twice as many fonts on everything. Just because you got to let the French people see it in their language. Uh, they're they're very they're very sensitive. The French is that saying. a law? <laughs> is that a law in Canada? The for for branding, yes, actually, for all everything in Canada must be branded bilingually. Uh, all packaging on items must have bilingual packaging. Uh, What's the criteria for when a minority group street signs? What's the criteria for when a minority group can demand their language on packaging? Like what's uh, well for in Canada's case, you have to have sort of an uneasy conflict between your French and English halves, leading to uh, a peace and eventual dominance by the Anglo half. Uh, until uh, I mean that I mean the history is <laughs> that's a fraught history. We could do a. We, we could do an entire episode on that, get somebody who knows about the conflicts between English and uh, French in Canada. Uh, that, I mean, that's at the core of our cultural identity, also uh, abusing indigenous people and indigenous culture. In yeah, that's why, yeah, that's why I asked, because I figured it was an easy answer. Um. It, it, <laughs> um, okay, let's put it... I, I learned this from a, a play by the great French playwright Robert Lepage. So... The original plans for the Canadian flag, uh, when Lester Pearson was redoing it, um, was to be red, white, and blue. Those were the colors, because the red was to represent the British, uh, the blue was to represent, you know, the fleur-de-lis and the classic French flag, and the white was just sort of a neutral color. I forget, or like the P, it represented And also, those those were the only colors being used for flags in that time. Anyway. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could only use those. Um, but um, at the very last minute, they they vetoed the use of the blue, um, and so that sort of that sort of much uh, that that sort of a wow. microcosm. What a of, what an insult! It, it well, in a way, it is. Uh, French culture represents a third of our population, and it's. Uh, the things that are most distinctly unique in Canadian culture largely do come from Quebec. They have the most distinctive film industry. They have, uh, they have uh, all sorts of. Uh, I don't know. What else do they have? <laughs> Montreal, the porno industry, Ubisoft, Rockstar Ubisoft. North. Yeah. yeah, Ubisoft is funny that it's in Montreal. You know, there's huge, yeah, that's, Montreal is a huge video game industry, huge uh, a porno industry. 
Uh, That's funny. There's and... a whole country where it's it's politically incorrect to be mean to the French. That well, it's definitely not. Everybody, everyone in Anglo Canada makes francophone jokes. Everyone makes. Okay, now that's not. That should stop. That should cease. That should. Uh, some people would like it to cease. Some people yeah. would be very upset. Yeah. With with my approximation. Yeah, yeah, like but, me. I went to a French school growing up, so I, I take this with highest exception, Monsieur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but even so, uh, what is if you think of any Canadian food? What is like a food that you think of as distinctly Canadian? Ham. <laughs> okay, what I was fishing for was poutine. Oh. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a ham is a good answer yeah. to any sort of food engagement question. Uh, well, it's Canadian ham. bacon, you know, Canadian bacon. Oh yes, Canadian bacon. But I don't know why that belongs to Canada because back bacon is not. It's it's not endemic to Canada. Yeah, it's England. It's the main form of bacon too. I think. Yeah, which is why I never understood why it's called Canadian bacon because it's just regular bacon. It's not in England. They call American bacon streaky bacon. I think, which I find insane. I'm pretty sure it's it's due to the War of 1812. And you know how Americans Probably. are when there's a war. They're like, let's rename the food. Um, yeah. French fries. No, thank you. Now you're Canadian fries. It was basically <laughs> what happened with the yeah. bacon. Because <laughs> that's what actually in the war, then they referenced it in The Simpsons. Sauerkraut was renamed to Liberty Cabbage. That was an actual oh, thing. It's an ang- this is an Anglo-Saxon thing. When they're, when they're like invading someone, they'll appropriate their food and rename it. And, and then when they're fighting another person and the, I don't, they'll just rename food. It's like if someone renames yeah. their food, they're about to do some warlike stuff. Another great Simpsons joke when they when they uh, the lady investorettes get the pita truck and they call the shawarma a Ben Franklin in order to in order to make them not seem so. Isn't that Helen Lovejoy? Isn't that whole region a little iffy? <laughs> wow, Simpsons is great. Cancelable moment on the Simpsons yet again. Whoa, can't. Well, I think that one still holds up today. Uh, uh, there are some jokes on The Simpsons that I think wouldn't fly or would be seen as transphobic, but even then not... There, there was actually a very interesting anecdote. I, I was listening to the Talking Simpsons podcast, which is a great podcast on the, the, the my preferred Simpsons podcast. And I was listening to their episode on the the John Waters episode, Homer's Phobia, mm-hmm. and about how the writers at the time were doing their best to be sensitive. Uh, and they had John Waters on, who's famously not a stingy guy when it comes to stuff. But one scene they had written that Homer calls John faggot. And... Uh, John Waters was like, fellas, you don't want to do this. This is going to be a bit much for network television. (laughs) Which was amazing to me that John Waters, king of filth, had to tell these white writers in the 90s who were very oblivious to how hurtful the word faggot actually is. Was one of them Schwarzfelder? I I don't know if one of them short. I think it was, uh, I think... uh, Cancel that man! He's a conservative! 
there is no movement to cancel Schwartzwelder. There is no serious movement to be like, um, John Schwartzwelder, it's problematic. If you're good enough, you can get, like, I don't think anyone would seriously try and cancel John Milius, too. Or, like, uh, I mean, people definitely try and cancel S. Craig Zoller. His movies are crazy, though. Who are other who are other conservative auteurs? Um, what's his face? Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald is a conservative auteur. Oh, auteur? Uh, speaking, I thought you meant comedian. I don't know. Auteur. No, he is. He is, but I would also call him sort of an. He's an auteur of comedy in a way, in that he's he's a totally unique and distinct voice. There's nobody do, who does it like Norm. You know. Yeah. He's just uh, a totally. But, but speaking of cancellation. And you know why? Why sort of like Norm or John Milius or any of these guys? I don't think get canceled is because they don't cultivate an audience that will cancel them for for the, at least their political leanings. You know, the people that watch and buy and consume S. Craig Zoller movies. You know, when it's like, oh, S. Craig Zoller made a reactionary movie that's pro cop, and the people that like S. Craig Zoller are like, yes. And your point is, is that <laughs> the dragged across across concrete guy? Yeah, yeah, but also Bone to- Bone Tomahawk. I haven't seen Drag Across Concrete yet. Um, have yeah. you seen I it? love Bone Tomahawk. That's one of my favorite uh, recent yeah. horror movies. You just like to see that guy get split in half. Yeah, hell yeah, I do. I like to see him split. But there's so many great moments in that movie. I love Matthew Fox gives a great performance as, like, and I think Matthew Fox is a bad actor, but he's great in that movie as this totally hateable jackass but who is Ed weirdly sympathetic. And, like, I think Patrick Wilson... It just has my man Patrick Wilson in it, who's great. I love Patrick Wilson in anything. That guy kicks ass. Who's great in Aquaman. Who's great in Fargo Season 2. I love Patrick Wilson. He's got a real soft mouth. I want to <laughs> lick his soft mouth. Um, and he gives that beautiful... That beautiful speech uh, that where he's reading the letter that he wrote to his wife. And it actually, like, seems genuinely heartfelt and from a place of like actual romantic yearning so it's like s craig zoller even though he's like a bloodthirsty reactionary dillhole has some sort of uh beating heart which is why <laughs> i think his his movies are compelling um but um the reason why uh, so the other the big cancel news this week it was uh lindsey ellis Came out with a one hour, 40 minute, (laughs) I've been canceled video. Did you watch that whole Um, thing? I watched it. I'm a Lindsay Ellis fan. I like Lindsay Ellis. Oh my goodness. I I know you have no tolerance. Lindsay Ellis is the type of supportive, chubby white girl that gets gays through high school. Okay, (laughs) Okay. Steven? You don't understand. (laughs) Why didn't you just listen to Radiohead? I did both. Okay. You need both. You need your supportive chubby white girlfriend, <laughs> who your supportive theater, and you both love theater and musicals, and you can talk about how you hate yeah, your oh, mom. She's theater kid. She's major yeah. theater kid. Yeah, she's yeah extreme theater kid energy, and I think the general opposition to her is also just the general opposition to theater kid mm-hmm. energy. Yep, yeah, that's, which that is, sums it up pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you don't like theater kids, you're not gonna dig Lindsay Ellis. But I, I have one foot in the water of theater kidism, so I'm, I'm fine with it. Well, um, I did too, briefly. I mean, it was the only social life I had at all in high school was from the grace of the theater kids. So I should thank them, and I do thank you. Um, yeah. Sorry for being so mean and giving you cigarettes. 
I got them all addicted Dude, to that's, six. That's what I did in high school. I was like, you guys want to see something cool? Watch this. And, <laughs> and then I smoked cigarettes, and they were like, wow. Whoa, that guy's cool. <laughs> he can smoke cigarettes. Uh-huh. And that's what high school was like for me. Completely yeah. that. Just that. All only good. Anyway. Uh, Lindsay Ellis never smoked with cigarettes. Um, so, um, Lindsay Ellis... She got, she didn't really, she got very soft canceled. This was, she just got like one, she had one bad tweet and then people came at her with her litany (laughs) of also mildly bad tweets and she had, she quit Twitter and this was like two weeks back and now she made like an hour and 40 minute video about her list of sins and why she's not doing a full mea culpa, but why cancel culture you know, has gone too far in this kid. Now I'm getting it from the left just as bad as I got it from the right. And, uh, well, not, I'm sure she would say not just as bad, but, uh, yeah, it's very funny because Lindsay Ellis cultivates an audience of people that want to feel morally superior, including me. (laughs) Yeah, Mm. I'm part of that. But because of the way that she presents her sound, because there's this sort of like didactic moralism to her work and this and it's not that it's kind of self-effacing but it's it's it it attacks more towards the self-aggrandizing than the self-effacing which i think is uh par for the course for theater theater kids who are very self-aggrandizing type of people um and so i think when you have both of those elements when you sort of have that self-aggrandizing media personality thing plus an audience that will take people to task for minor slights uh you're eventually just going to end up in this situation and it's like you should you should uh i feel that's that's really the take which is like don't cultivate cultivate an audience of woke people and then do some unwoke thing this the uh, and like gain enough of a following such that they hang on your every word and you know you know these are these are the natural consequences of that not to say that lindsay ellis is like i i'm like saying she's bad for like feeling sad that a lot of people were mad at her saying bad faith criticisms of her stuff or calling her a big racist or whatever but like i'm sure if i had a tweet that went viral and people were going like you suck alex i would probably feel feel pretty shitty too but would my reaction to it be creating one and a half hour video, you know, refuting my shittiness? Probably, not. I'd probably just take the L. Hmm. But she's a, she has a different brand, you know. She she needs to monetize and commodify the reaction to her um, statements. Well, she's also trapped. That's... She's trapped as in in the kind of the same way we found out that Chrissy Teigen is trapped. Right. <laughs> yeah. Chrissy Teigen yeah. back on Twitter after a very public deletion of her Twitter. Um, basically yep. been like, I, you'll, and you'll never see me again. And like, she could only last a month without <laughs> yeah. the con. The, it's a drug because it's you're you're getting. She's getting one million heart symbols sent to her every day. It makes you feel amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's it's that serotonin drip. It's very that's you know that's the thing that's I liked the Chrissy Teigen coming back and trying to play it off because I found it very humanizing because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like girl you're here for the serotonin just as much as me 
Don't <laughs> you can't live without it. Yeah, we these need nerds the little created these. We need yeah. a way to like make it so that everyone gets liked anonymously a little bit every day. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you kind of just start with some upvotes. As you do, I mean, you do on Reddit, basically. You start with, like, five, you know? Mm. And now that Reddit is life, now that we live inside the computer, likes are, <laughs> likes are what makes us live. We're going to call them lives soon. You know what I think this comes down to, really? Uh, the, the quantification... The quantification of sort of esoteric value. The quantification of subjective value. Like... Um, which, you know, it's easy to quantify, say, I mean, it's not easy to quantify any bread. The reason why we value something depends on the market and the society. But like trying to quantify something abstract, like um, mm-hmm. how good an opinion is and doing that with likes, you know. Yeah, there, there there's something about it, which is like the the the, the quantification of abstract ideas turns our society more sociopathic it does, turns us into these zuckerberg like nerds there's it's because there's two different processes that go into determining what you will hit a like for at least on reddit and what you will hit a, a downvote for you don't your mind mm. is not consistent and you will hit downvote for stuff for different a whole different even system of reasons that you go through for hitting the up vote it's almost like it's predetermined which is why, mm-hmm. you know, we're America's foremost Calvinist podcast. Um, I think mm-hmm. the amount of likes something get something gets is predetermined. <laughs> yeah, well, in, in yes, in a, in a cosmic way, absolutely. Depending on what time of day, depending on your connection to the algorithm. Mm-hmm. But so I bet it, I, sometimes... Okay, so I, the, the other reason why I was thinking about Vosh, because... I was having, I had a lathe of heaven moment on Friday. Oh, classic. Where I, was thinking, I love those. Yeah. Lathe I, of I heaven. I had just, yeah. I had drawn a cartoon of Vosh the night before, mm-hmm. you know, just thinking he's a funny character and, you know, there's just going to be a cartoon about him. And when I posted it the next day, there was actually a lot of Vosh discourse because he had said really stupid shit. And there had been another comic that Vosh had printed where it's like forgiving Vosh for using the N-word. <laughs> it's like um, the, oh, yeah. the comic was really bad. And it's by I, – I should I should promote solidarity, but uh, <laughs> amongst leftoid comic strips. That's a but, weird um, one. Did you check out their other content? Yeah, Bread, bread Pains it's called, That's which reminds me one. of Brett Payne from Street Fight Radio, <laughs> which also why it confused me. Um but um, uh, th- that is, yeah, it's so it's leftist stone toss, which is already a crazy premise. Mm-hmm. Um, leftist stone toss, and it's just really ugly, off-putting vector graphics and shit. Yeah, um, the graphics are are like kind of disturbing. Um, yeah, it looks like templates almost that he pushes yeah. around. And they're very middle of the road left wing takes. It's like it, it, it's the Vosh. It's Radlib takes essentially, which is funny that it's called Bread Pains because it's like it's named after the, uh, the bread tube is named after Kropotkin's Conquest of Bread, which is anarcho communism. So the the one of the Ur texts 
of anarcho-communism. Never heard of and it. And Vosh is not that at all. <laughs> I never heard of it. A lot of the, these bread tube people are not anarcho-anything. What's the bread thing? I never heard of it. Bread. Conquest of Bread by Pyotr Kropotkin. Bread. Oh, where Kropotkin I've heard of. I haven't heard yeah. of the Conquest. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's great. It's actually, I recommend people read it uh, because it's one of the few pieces of theory I've read Specifically, the chapter where he describes how a grand piano gets made in an anarcho-communist society is, like, really fascinating. Because he acknowledges the need for luxury, mm-hmm. which I think is a very overlooked thing. He acknowledged, and, like, he uses a grand piano as an example of luxury. Um, and how and why a community of, you know, self-interested yeoman farmers would come together to make a fucking piano. Yeah, you see that. I mean, you see that on YouTube, actually. That's where you can go and you can see, like, six neighborhood dads got together and dug out a, like, a like a a new water park in their backyard or something. Like a mini water park. Mm -hmm. They, like, got got a mover, got a backhoe, made some earth to make a giant big slide, um, maybe divert water from a stream, create a pool, you can you you can see that sometimes on YouTube where it's all fake and done for money and clicks and likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it happen? Would it happen um, without that? Still, I don't know. Uh, what would, oh, I, th- what would I think it would say? be? I think it would be interesting to see what luxuries that type of society would incentivize, because I I think the luxuries that we incentivize in a capitalist society are very consumerist. But maybe there would be more purchase uh on manufacturing stuff for yourself that's built to last as opposed to luxury and capitalism which is very much about how disposable things are or in the like even the most expensive computer especially the most expensive computers like Macs have this uh, planned obsolescence strategy where they're they're just out of date within five years yeah. so i i wonder if like the idea of luxury as disposability uh, is more of a feature of a capitalist society, whereas we could still have luxury in a communist or anarchist society, but its feature would be more of crafting things of permanence. Um, but that—that's total. This is—that's total speculation. None of that is rooted in any theory or ideology. It's just rooted in uh, symbological ideologies. Well, we used but, to make things. You know, it makes me wonder. Makes and it makes me wonder. The thing, the weird thing is, like in America, there's this sense that we used to make things that lasted, and now we don't. Mm-hmm. And it's generally the turning point was when plastic was invented. Yeah, um, which you know is terrible. If we, could, <laughs> I think plastic is the root cause of most of our social ills. I think it's plastic is the next lead. And in a hundred mm-hmm. years, people are going to look back and be like. I can't believe we allowed our food to come in contact with plastic. Yeah, I, I mean, it's very funny that um, it's the, the right wing is worried about soy feminizing men when it's it's oil. The oil industry and plastics are actually what uh, screws with uh, the hormones a lot. Yeah, um, it's very that, bad. That thing where that thing about Alex Jones saying the fucking chemicals in the water making the frogs gay. Uh, that's. Sounds ridiculous, but that was actually true. There was studies showed that uh, the in- interference of plastics chemicals was actually having effect on the mating habits of frogs, 
and leading to severe uh, uh, decreases in birth rate. Yeah, that, so, I think that's why the birth rate's going down too. Yeah, I think I think there's plastic in the water, basically. Yeah, Sorry. I think yeah, Sorry to freak I think it out. stands to reason <laughs> that all of the microplastics we consume are might be affecting our health in such a way that we're lazy or more anxious or have a fucked up brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like there's no there's no way it couldn't be having some outsized effect on our physical development as a species. Yeah. Plastic's pretty scary when you stop and think about it. Mm-hmm. I, I got this cable, and it was in a plastic Ziploc bag. A, uh, a computer cable it came in a Ziploc bag. Um, in case I wanted to, I guess, put it back in the bag and zip it up so that it wouldn't go bad. Uh, and then inside the Ziploc bag, the computer cable was in another um, smaller pa- plastic bag that was disposable. So I mm-hmm. opened that one up, threw that, that one away, and then also threw the Ziploc one away because who does that? You know? Uh, we love... Uh, it's, a, it, it's a form of theater. You know, all of the packaging. The unboxing. Uh, we, we have unboxing videos yep. for that reason. Yep. It's, we like the process of unraveling stuff and opening presents. Yeah, but you can, you like can get something from the thrift store and then box it up yourself. And then unbox it. Yeah, but it's not the same. Someone else has to do it for you, and you can't see it, or else it's not it's not a sighting. With a know? drinking habit that's finely tuned, it yeah. it you can you can do it to perfection. You just do it at the end near the end of the night, and then you wake up in the morning and you unbox something, and you're like, "How did this get here?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to uh, you you schedule your blackouts very precisely. Yeah. So I, I back in my drinking days i was able to schedule blackouts like that's how good i got at it it was like when there was a situation i didn't want to be around for i could black myself out i just i knew the appropriate amount it was like being an anesthesiologist um in a certain way well yeah i mean that's how that's very much what a civil war anesthesiologist was doing yeah it's like you it need the to exact drink. right amount of whiskey it's like one point oh for man your weight 1.5 liters of whiskey. Boom. Boom. <laughs> I like the idea of you getting drunk enough to do self-amputation. Um, I got drunk enough to, to do all kinds of excellent cooking. That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> when you say excellent, are you using it facetiously or like you actually blacked out and like made incredible food? Uh, yeah, I blacked out and made incredible food. That's what I would do. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I wake up what, with the, what, what with is, the is, stove is still on when I wake up. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, why do I have this spiral burn mark on my face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh drinking i i had a beer last night for the first time in in maybe years uh just because some some punks at the dog park were having some beers and they offered me one i was like i didn't want to didn't want to seem uncool to the punks yeah (laughs) Uh. did you give them something in return no i know i know these guys i know these guys well, bring some M and M's to get to I'll them. Probably buy some beers. Give them some M M&M. and uh, Oh, and beers. I guess. I guess they want beers. You can't. <laughs> bringing chocolate to a dog park is a faux pas. Ooh. Because dogs Ooh. are very allergic to. I chocolate. love that wordplay. A faux pas, like a dog. Oh, yeah. oh, 
that's 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 a see, good that's, that's comic word could be a YouTube series. That's a comic right Faux there. Pause. No, yeah. that's a whole comic idea. We just wrote a comic on air. It also sounds like a furry <laughs> workshop manufacturing. What? Nah, we only do the gloves. Oh, yeah. We only do the gloves. Very specific. I think if you if you Google faux pas and spell paw p a w, you'll find a bunch of furry suit. Definite manufacturers. furry shit. Yeah, yeah, absolute <laughs> furry shit. Um, it's very funny that people are still shocked by furries when they've basically they've been mainstream internet knowledge for two decades now. Uh, so whenever, and there used to be so much hate on them, and now I feel that amongst people that have just been on the internet for a long time, people see a furry and they're like, ah, hey. Yeah. <laughs> they've it's they've like become that. more or less accepted. Yeah. it's. It, I mean, I've actually found that they are big in the Linux community um, by following. That makes sense yeah, to me. Following a few Linux guys, all of a sudden I'm like seeing... Twitter accounts with uh, fur, furry icons as the uh, profile mm-hmm. picture, and that's been interesting. Yeah. Um, they have, yeah, I think they have uh, better acceptance. I remember various places like there's they had to dedicate a board. There's always have there's a special board for them. I remember, I mean, I'm talking about like DeviantArt special board for the furries, 4chan special mm-hmm. special board. Um, where else had boards? I mean, obviously Reddit and Dig had special boards. Mm-hmm. And so you just learn to coexist, and they also developed, like, a really strong community of defending each other. So you don't want to fuck with them. They're also inexplicably wealthy because they all somehow have the ability to commission that very elaborate art. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the art is insane. The art's great. Yeah, Yeah, it's like the Sistine Chapel of our time. Gonna yeah. get the furry pope to do the furry Sistine Chapel. Well, I just, I just, re, you know, got back on my oldest internet account, which is my DeviantArt account, and because I was, Fun. I was downloading a skin for the music player known as Fubar Two Thousand, and it, and mm. it has the number two thousand in it because it was programmed in the year two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and it works better than Windows Media Player, which I used to use, which also was programmed in the year two thousand. But FUBAR, you can customize to the T everything that you can right-click on. I'm talking menu bars. I'm talking panels, searches. You can right-click and customize everything. And there's a vibrant community of people who uh, put out skin packs on DeviantArt for you to download to make your FUBAR music player look cool. And so I got on to DeviantArt, and I, I created my account in 2004. So... It's the furthest back in time I can go to see myself on the internet, which is kind of cool. Mm. It's amazing that you still remember your, your password from back then. Oh, I, I was meticulous about password management um, starting in, I think, 2003. I lost access to a Zanga. Oh, no! Yeah, my Zanga. All of your thoughts. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, my black background with red text to, to symbolize angst. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but uh, we we have we have evolved in our uh, web design. Now it's a black background with white text yeah. 
that I forced you to do. Yeah. You didn't want you to do it, but but I said, no, I like it. Yeah, no, it's good. It makes him... It's good. It looks like Maddox <laughs> in the Circa 2004, which is my which is my Rosetta Stone of good web yeah, design. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to pivot... I say that mockingly, but I, I, I do think the Maddox website it uh, did have good web yeah, design. Yeah, our trajectory is like Maddox. We're going to pivot from 20 subscribers on our podcast to a YouTube channel that gets maybe two people to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah his his internet his internet career is sad yeah uh i i mean it's because he was always talking about manliness and when they finally put him in front of a camera he's like the least he's like the most he's the beta cuckiest man on the planet i'm pretty sure my uh, cat is about to throw up so you might, okay. might want to talk for a little bit all right well, so yeah Stephen is taking care of a little situation, so I'm just gonna wax. I'm just gonna wax a little melodramatic about the 2000s internet, or the internet when I was in high school, from about 2004 to 2008, which was very early YouTube, uh, somethingawful.com. Some would say not the golden age of somethingawful.com, which was earlier, um, but very good years of something awful. Uh, when it was generating tons of the Ur memes that would come to define the rest of meme culture on the internet, when Newgrounds was still really bumping. Um, uh, and part of that was uh, Maddox, that type of humor, that type of edgelord, juvenile, pop culture referencing, but still... Uh, still sort of freeing and liberating because it was it was coming from totally independent sources it was totally diy which separated it uh and made it seem different than comedy that was coming from other sources that was backed by corporate money or uh couldn't say the things that these guys were saying because it was backed by this normative corporate money but eventually that edgelord stuff got absorbed into the main culture and it became corporatized i mean tucker max eventually you know got his movie deal oh we all loved tucker max didn't we i can't who's that (laughs) do you know remember tucker max no tucker max was an uh early internet blogger um, whose whose book he eventually released a book called I hope they serve beer in hell. Oh, and his oh. shtick was he was um, an incredibly toxic bro that told stories about being a toxic bro. His most heavily trafficked story was one where he was doing anal with a girl and she shits on his dick and his friend who's filming it in the closet starts throwing up and then he starts throwing up on her and the lady starts throwing up oh. and you know it does it's. Very much Maxim. He was very much the Hunter S. Thompson of the Maxim magazine crowd. Wow. Uh, and you think that's a true that, story? That, all of that throw up going everywhere? I generally thought of he. He. It was uh, faked. Generally, yeah. people yeah. thought that he faked that one. But there were other stories of him being a dirtbag and manipulating women uh, that people seemed to love because they were all like, "Ah, these stupid bitches." They're running a front to our guy. And the the joke was, you know, he's an evil guy and he admits it, but he's just so charming. And he he writes such delicate prose about his about his brutal masculinity. We got it. We we have to stand. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so Tucker Max was part of this sort of lad crowd of the 2000s, and I was, uh, and I was, while your cat was throwing up, I was waxing nostalgic on that 2000s lad. No, I know. I was, I kept my headphones on. You knew, you know. I I kept my headphones on the whole time. Yeah, Ramona throws up every so often. She's got a hairball problem that I can't really do anything about except give her hairball medicine and Hope yeah. for the best. So poor Ramona. Get her to stop eating her hair. I yeah. I wish. We need to do a little crisp her body with a crisper with thing. a foul tasting substance. We could uh, cri- if we could crisper cats to to be like they don't lick themselves and have hairballs, and instead we mm. have to like I would have to bathe her. It might be a trade off I would consider. Mm. But she'd have to like it. Like <laughs> if she's if she's if she doesn't want to be bathed and does that thing where she like. Uh, tears my flesh into ribbons um that would be yeah. bad yeah well what you gonna do we should have a pet she's episode. an aggressive cat let's have pet episode we had a pet episode very early into our we uh, did into our run i can't remember we had an episode called pets but it wasn't about our pets specifically it was about pets in general huh but i would i could yeah i could go for hours talking about it. well that's another piece of discourse so um Kath Barbadoro, who I like, uh, she does Why You Mad podcast. She talks a lot about wrestling. She's also some of the other leftosphere people don't like her because her dad is like a federal judge or something like that. So they think her woke takes are hypocritical. But she's a, uh, she, she posted something which made me feel bad personally, uh, which was that white people, please don't name your dogs foreign sounding names. It's awkward for everybody. And then a comedian named Diego Lopez in the comments sounded off like, I've met, met a ton of white people whose dogs are named Diego. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, oh, no. Okay. And, so, and then I, my dog is named Diego. <laughs> and uh, Which I recognize is probably fraught. There is probably when you have like a relationship with an animal and you call it like a, a, the name of a brown person might be seen as like you exacting some sort of relationship of dominance did you hear about did they bring up the the case of the british dog in the navy that whose name was the (laughs) n-word no that's bad and it was common in the 19th and and like um early 20th century (laughs) in britain to name your dog the (laughs) n-word so it's it's problematic because yeah, there's a okay. famous there is a famous one on a ship that they've wanted to make movies of and Peter <laughs> and so they got Peter Jackson right they get Peter Jackson <laughs> and Peter Jackson's like well we're very we're probably gonna have to change the name and then the English people are like well that's not historical and then it's kind of like well. <laughs> I guess we're not going to make the movie then. <laughs> Look, he's got to be named that word, okay? It doesn't work if he's not named that specific word. Yeah, not good. Um, what, are we just going to ignore history? Are we just going to take out all the blackface and Dr. Seuss? They did that. Those <laughs> bastards. <laughs> uh, it's not good. I don't know. You can't rename your dog, though. No, I can't rename Diego at this point. If here, I've met... I've met Latin people. I've met guys named Diego who I who've met Diego, and they're like they don't appear to take any umbrage. Maybe they're insulted on the inside, but at best it's a microaggression. And if someone points it out to me, I just take the L. And you're like, yeah, I'm right. You're yeah. right. Uh, but he's he's named that. 
and there's nothing I could do now. Yeah. I didn't think of it at the time, but it's the name he responds to, so... Uh, <laughs> I've done. Sorry. I think I did a microaggression on this show either last episode or the one before that I would just like to personally apologize for at this time. I cannot really remember what it was, but I do remember feeling like I did a microaggression at the time. And so, you know, just apologizing for all past and future microaggressions. <laughs> Uh, the jazz musician Keith Jarrett once said that when he was improvising, he was making a thousand micro decisions per second. <laughs> and me, I'm making a thousand micro aggressions per second. <laughs> I'm just working on that level, you know. Yeah. I'm just constantly, you know, pumping out the little subtle ticks of racism. There. Well, that's if you have that kind of personality, it's great. You should be a stand-up comic because it, you should take it and be like the dice clay and just be as offensive as possible. He's registering twenty thousand microaggressions <laughs> per second. I've never seen. I've never seen such power. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, with, it's the millennial tendency of quantizing the the non quantifiable um, for microaggressions. Yeah. yeah, quantizing the abstract. And um, what I was get. I'm glad you mentioned that again because what I was eventually getting to with that was uh, David Graeber and debt. The first five thousand years and how. He talks about debt in like a hunter-gatherer society as not being quantified at all. Just people understanding that they owed something to somebody, but there's no, you know, monetary figure to keep track of how much exactly is owed. When the debt is repaid, it's sort of more of this uh, qualitative understood thing as opposed to like counting up the, the, the beans of how much you owe me. So, and, and what debt implies is debt is the taking of that system and then putting the bean counter on it, which makes society more sociopathic. Mm -hmm. And it makes our, it makes us unable to trust each other implicitly or because you don't have the trust that you would have of people as you would in a hunter-gatherer society as you do in a neoliberal, urbanized, uh, globalized wasteland. Yeah. Um, but you know, Al Alexander that Hamilton argued in favor of that. In. Like, so. Well, why um, did why why did why did old Mister Hammy why did Mister Ham? Because then because uh, it gives Captain you Ham. <laughs> it gives you explosive uh, economic growth. Like, yeah, like explosive I, I think that's like de debt in a. Debt, I think what I'm talking, and I haven't read Debt the first 5,000 years. I'm just like going what I know off the Wikipedia or what Steve has told me. Uh, but this is sort of debt in a metaphysical sense as opposed to, you know, debt in a practical sense is like how can we manipulate debt in order to generate wealth, which is, you know, that's what debt is really good for. But in terms of debt in its use as a method for supplanting trust in each other, Hmm. That is sort of what David Graeber laments in debt the first 5,000 years. Um, not necessarily its its practical ability to generate wealth, uh, but um, the fact that it sort of removes our ability to have this this qualitative communal understanding. Yeah, I don't think we're in a position like America was at the turn of the revolution where we need uh, that kind of explosive growth, but uh, you kind of got addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's well, not yeah. a way to get it to uh, go back. We really like uh, that's, that's Twitter, you know? You get that post go viral. 
have that explosive growth. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, what else does that make me think of? G going back to Beardos and explosive growth, um, <laughs> we, find, we find a great historical Beardo in that of John Brown, uh, who, you know, definitely has the... Well, he had more than the simmering rage. He was all rage, all the. Well, he was actually he was a lot of stuff. He wasn't just rage. He was definitely a lot of conviction. Say that. <laughs> uh, He's not. Did he even have a beard? He had a beard. John Brown was a bearder. What I don't. I don't I'm really think... comparing John Brown to Vosh is what I'm doing. What? How? <laughs> They're both beardos connected by the beardo. Uh. And you don't have to be a man to be a beardo. There can be lady beardos as well. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a lady beardo. Lindsay Ellis, kind of a lady beardo. Okay. Which is why she and Movie Bob, you and Movie Bob are not so different, you and I. <laughs> We're both beardos. <laughs> uh, but Lindsay she... Ellis definitely has that simmering rage. I mean, that oh, takedown absolutely. was like reminiscent of high school. She did a high school takedown on a guy publicly. Yeah. She was like, I don't know uh, you. That was... That was so. That was so brutal. Oh, I love that though. That's a classic Twitter moment. Oof. Um, I don't really know you, and this is super creepy. Yeah, she couldn't have just DM that to him. I guess she said in the public Twitter post that she did DM him a couple times, but she he kept doing it, mm. which is why he now has to endure. But in her cancellation video, she says, "I forgive." She basically forgives Movie Bob, and she says, "Stop harassing Movie Bob." Oh wow! I should have watched she realizes more than one minute of you, that. <laughs> me and Movie Bob, we are we are somewhat the same. Yeah. We are not so different, you and I, Man. Movie Bob. Wow, we're just beardos, two beardos trying to make it in this world. Yeah, you gotta you gotta um, defend the people in your community, even if you uh, are really creeped out by them sometimes. Yeah, maybe. I mean, movie Bob sucks. I, uh -huh. I and I think that's what it is. It's just like the, a huge portion. The reason why people hate these guys is because they're gross looking. Like Vosh is just like a gross looking dude. Mm. <laughs> He's it's like an aesthetic dislike on top of everything. No, but he says some genuinely fucked up shit. Um, <laughs> I've never, I've never encountered any media he's ever done, and I don't know what he looks like. Don't, don't do it. It's not worth <laughs> it. It's just all bad. It's not for us. No one, no one over. If you're, if you're over twenty three and you listen to Vosh, you know. Do you also, do you also like Justin Bieber records? Because you're a child, and that is a very timely reference. How old is Justin Bieber? Is I can't he like wait. 30? Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, Justin Bieber's going to be middle-aged soon. <laughs> yeah, Justin Bieber aged eight years. <laughs> he, he aged faster than me, and now he's my age. Oh, he's great. <laughs> and I talk at yummy, 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 yummy. Yeah, thir Justin Bieber at 30 will be interesting. I wonder if we're going to get a suit and tie, harried... Bags under the eyes, you know, been through it all, yeah. Bieber. Or will he descend further into dirtbagism? I hope it's dirtbagism. I want him to go the Phil Collins route, you know? Just yeah. <laughs> uh, make Susudio again? Um, no, well, Phil Collins had that era of like the, the, the like bedraggled divorcee with like ah, with, yeah, uh, right. the songs I Don't Care Anymore and In the Air Tonight. You're right. Um, 
And he would wear like, you know, like a suit that looks like he just got home after eight hours of hard work at the office. <laughs> You're right. Justin Bieber is going to get divorced from the Baldwin child. And, uh, and oh, he's going to have a sick divorce album. I think he's going to get divorced a lot more times, actually. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have a lot of divorces. Just like seven divorces. Yeah, and then, and then he will make a good album. Then he will make the ultimate divorce album. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for our 60s, dude. It's going to be funny if Justin Bieber becomes like an MRA type guy. Oof. I hope not. <laughs> Those guys kind of faded away. Yeah, well, they, they still exist. They got subsumed into like QAnon and alt-right yeah. shit. They're the alt-right. I mean, they're the alt-right guys. Yeah. But like that as a movement is pretty cringe. That w that was a character I came up with, like an MRA guy that's really into trans men because they see them as rejecting their inferior femininity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I'm familiar with that idea, like, like, like urging your daughter to become a trans man because you, you, that's how misogynist you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's a funny idea. That doesn't that only exists in the minds of insane turfs. That character. Yeah. But that was, I think that's a that's a funny idea that's, for a character. That's J.K. Rowling's worst well, nightmare. Well, because there is like I do. F <laughs> when Elliot Page came out, I was like, "Yeah, school one for dudes." Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> one for our like, team. <laughs> yeah, because I I sort of get it. Like I I I understand trans women more than I understand trans men. Is because oh yeah, you got to be a pretty lady. That's nice. But who would want to be a guy, you know? <laughs> we suck. We're awful. I don't Why agree. Why would you want to be us? I don't agree. I'm, so I'm there's, positive. It's nice when a woman is like, uh, not I shouldn't, a, a person who's always a man, you know, is like says, um, you know, I, no, I want, being a guy is good. You know, that's what I want to be, you know. Well, that's what's. Uh, uh, it feels weirdly affir It feels weirdly affirming of your gender. Yeah. Especially because you know when you're told all your life as a man, you know you're either the source of fear. Yeah, I think that's what I dislike most. Of I mean, being a man is great. Obviously, being a man is a great source of privilege. You know, I have unprecedented power. Um, I have uh, people take me seriously for some reason, just by virtue of being a man. But. It does, one of the drawbacks, a very minor drawback is it's very unpleasant feeling like people fear you all the time or people feel like they're, you're going to assault them or like you're some source of, or like you're a creep mm -hmm. or like how you feel like you're a creep just because you're walking by a playground and you feel like people are going to judge you. Yeah. That's like that's funny. That's like that's why I don't why don't walk by man. That's sort of shit. Yeah. I don't, I don't like to walk like to like by an elementary school. Yeah. That's yeah. Ha that, that's because that can happen. Yeah, and, and so um, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade the privileges of being a man, but I, I feel like we're sort of hated as you know we should be the you know I'm fine with white men being the scapegoats because uh, we do have all the power. So it, what do you yeah, want? it's way easier uh, to get, like get a job or rent an apartment. Yeah. Like, or... but yeah, and I mean I talk about you know the pain of being feared. Um, you know, think about that. That pain is a billion times harder for black guys, and uh, it's it's uh, out there for them. There's such this uh, omnipresent societal fear of, of black men, um, and it's uh, I can't imagine what that feels like. And I'm I'm minorly annoyed when you know people think that I'm a creep, you know, or people think that um, 
I am untoward or capable of violence yeah, or well, something. Sh- shave that, and shave that, that thing off and get a haircut, and you'll help yourself out, my friend. Yeah, wear a bow tie, and that gets <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. I should yeah, I should start dressing like uh, I should start dressing like Matthew Lesko in in a big question mark suit, what? and then no one will what? find me threatening. Why don't you just dress like a normal? Yeah, <laughs> um, conform. That's all you got to do. <laughs> um. I think there's also another reason to become a beardo is like the reason why you grow a beard is to cover up your simmering rage. When you expose your face, people can see what a crazy person you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just... Well, when you're when you have that much rage, your double chin starts to vibrate and is super noticeable. <laughs> yeah, it starts to <laughs> it starts to wobble like a, a turkey, yeah. a turkey neck. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That's like why. Paul Bearer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Patton Oswalt always had a great bit about he's being he's fat, but he's not B word fat. When you're you're fat such that everything that you pronounce with a B goes like this. And I brought my bees to the battalion and I buried, buried them in a black pool. A yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's just always a little pocket of air in your cheek that ex- expunges itself every time you talk, every time you say a B word. Oof. So. Uh, we're not there yet, but we're, we're. I'm getting there. Hey, yeah, at least. you know, you, a man can dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 <sighs>